Time to let go and let God. High energy right now. What's going on? Have you missed me? Because I missed you like there was no tomorrow. Let's do it. I like this. I'm a sucker for horns. This is like superhero music. Mm. Yeah. What's going on? I want to welcome you to episode one of the White Rabbit Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Freeman, and thank you for joining me on the great hunt for the chase of King Jesus. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited right now. This has been a long time coming. As I sip this tea that I, uh, that I bought from a woman who assuredly assured me that this was the most nicest, fanciest tea I could have. And I believed her. Because she sat there and pointed this bag. I don't have the bag in front of me, but she told me about, about how all the numbers and letters of these nomenclatures make this specific bag of black tea like the top notch. But what was the most amazing about it was that she was very, she was so adamant, very knowledgeable. She was very passionate when she spoke. Uh, it, it was just her personality and her passion that drove me to buy, to buy the tea in the first place. And I was just looking at her like, man, I wish I could be that, like, zoned in, that laser focused for Jesus 24-7. I was amazed by her. Uh, shout out to her, for, for real. That was pretty good. She, and then she told me, don't, don't put any milk and sugar in it. And what did I do? I put milk and sugar in it because... I mean, come on, come on. I don't have the taste bud of like a, a very refined noble king or queen. It's me. It's me, right? I didn't learn how to. <laughs> I was still eating with my hands uh, downrange. What are we talking about? Having refined tea. It is good, though. It is good, though. All right. Let's start with some prayer first. Father, thank you for this moment. It's a celebration that whenever the living word is discussed, I pray that you remove or lessen the tangibles of life so that we may give more focus and praise to you. Your son, King Jesus, came to earth and lived a perfect, sinless life. He loved and mentored humanity by paying our invoice for our sin that only he could pay. Make still our minds, God. Open our hearts and fix our eyes upon your son. We love you so much. And it's only that you made this possible. And we thank you for making the impossible possible. For the king. Amen. All right. I want to quote Marshall Bruce Mathers III. And it says something like this. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish, and everybody acts like they forgot about God. Now, I freestyled that last bit, but, you know, whatever. 
Uh, I want to talk about forgetting God or forgetting God in the moment, right? I'm not saying, oops, I hit my head. I don't know who Jesus Christ is. I'm talking about forgetting God in the midst of a moment because of the swinging of the pendulum, right? And we're looking at this, these, gina- these dynamic, these ginormous shifts that swing left and right. And people get caught up in these things. And in the middle of that, you know, you, you lose sight of the focus, okay? I mean, the very first time I discovered how fervently I needed God was when I was dozing off to a quiet death, right? Uh, at the time, I was uh, an army medic, and I knew, I knew exactly what it took to put me down, you know, forever. But that was because I was, I was so caught up in the heaviness of the moment. And I, I just felt abandoned. I felt like God hated me. I felt like the best way out of my troubles was to end all of my troubles permanently. But if you look at the heart of the matter, I placed the inequities of my design at the feet of everyone but myself. And once the full weight of my decision to take my life set in, I immediately began to search for the king. Right? I'm going to open this up. I was going to skip that. I'm going to go right into Isaiah 53. He who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Beautiful words from Isaiah. Beautiful words. Beautiful words. I want to lead right into First uh, Peter 2. 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. I say again, you being built up as a, as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. That was a powerful stuff. I love that. All right, so I was doing some, some, some deep diving. I was looking around for, trying to find a reason why people got caught up in the moment and stopped attending church, right? Or just looking at the shift, okay? Uh, there's a Pew Research Center that have this thing. I'm going to read it to you flat out so we can get down to the weeds of this. And I'm going to kind of weigh in on my thought process, but I want to put all of uh, the data up front 
So that way, I don't doesn't look like it's edited or it's whatever. I'm just read it all its entirety. And I'm gonna weigh in a little bit because this is um, like I appreciate the 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 stats. It's very telling. It's very telling. Um, so the Pew, the Pew Research Center telephone service conducted in eight, 2018 and 19, 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about their religion, down, down 12 percentage points over the past decade. Meanwhile, the religiously unaffiliated share of the population consisted of people who desire their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, now stands at 26%, up from 17%. In 09, Protestants are experiencing losses of, pop, of population share. Currently, 43% of the U.S. adults identify with Protestants, down from 51% in 09. Now, we can sit here and split that hair and talk about, oh, well, this, that, that, and <clears throat> the red side said this, the blue side said that. What about the purple side, the royal side, the kingly side? The heavenly side. What about that? Right? In 2009, regular worship attenders, those who attended religious services, at least once or twice a month, outnumbered those who attended services only occasionally or not at all by a 52 to 47% margin. Today, those figures are reversed. More Americans now say they attend religious services a few times a year or less at 54%, then they then they attend at least monthly 45%. That's um, it's very telling. But from a, from a person who looks and, and reads into scripture, and and has to provide an an exegetic opinion or breakdown of what I am reading. I've always found a juxtaposition in scripture. It shows this is one way and then this is the other way, right? This is how we did it here. This is how we did it over there, right? Uh, perfect examples. Look at um, Samuel, book of Samuel. We're talking about how Saul was made king through man. And look what happened. Then they anoint, God anoints David, right? Through the opposite side, and that's the juxtaposition, and you see how Saul operates, you see how David operates, even though David has his own transgressions, not talking about that right now, just talking about the position that is juxtaposed. All right, moving further along. Um, so what was cool about this was that the Oxford University Press did a breakdown of why off of the data that was given by the Pew Research Center. And I can post the links to these. You guys can take a look at them yourselves and see what you think. But uh, here we go. An analysis of religion trends from 1981 to 07 in 49 countries containing 60% of the world's population did not find a global resurgence of religion. Most high-income countries were becoming less religious. However, it did show that in 33 of the 49 countries studied, people had become more religious. But since 07, things have changed with surprising speed. From 07 to 2020, an overwhelming majority of 43 out of the 49 countries of these same countries have, been, have became less religious. This decline in belief is strongest in high-income countries. 
And that, my friends, is called a punch. We had a small technical error that I had to work through, but that's also the presence of the enemy, so I'm going to wrap that up on him. We're going to move forward. I want to explain this to you, uh, this, this, this breakdown. So we're going to go into, so the, the first part of this, they're going to put this on uh, the expansion of technology and the high life expectancy, but they're going to cover uh, further down, they're going to talk about uh, the United States, and I, I kind of want to focus on that. But here we go. A growing number of countries have now attained high life expectancies and drastically reduced infant mortality rates, making these traditional cultural norms no longer necessary. This process didn't happen overnight. The major world religions had presented pro-fertility norms as absolute moral rules and firmly resisted change. People only slowly give up the familiar beliefs and societal roles that they have known since childhood concerning gender and sexual behavior. But when a society reaches a sufficiently high level of economic and physical security, younger generations grow up taking that security for granted and the norms around fertility recede. Ideas, practices, and laws concerning gender equality, divorce, abortion, and homosexuality are now changing rapidly. Almost high-income societies have recently reached a tipping point where the balance shifts from pro-fertility norms being dominant to individual choice norms being dominant. Uh, the several other factors help explain the waning of religion. In the United States, politics explains part of the decline. Part of the decline? Since the 1990s, the Republican Party has sought to win support by adopting conservative Christian positions on same-sex marriage, abortion, and other cultural issues, but this appeal to religious voters has had the corollary effect of pushing other voters, especially young liberal ones, away from religion. And the Roman Catholic Church has lost adherence because of its own crisis. I want to focus on a couple of things, right? All of this points to a shift. Uh, a great friend told me that you'll see these, these shifts happen in life, politics, etc. blah, 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 right? So what was once a conservative-centered person is now uh, today a progressive conservative person. And that's just how the pendulum swings based off what's going on. But I'm looking at this with a godly eye and I'm seeing that people are getting so wrapped up in the moment, the heaviness of the moment, the reality that we're losing sight of the miracle that is before us. And that is God sent his only son to pay the ultimate sacrifice for our transgressions and through him is the only way that we have the gift of eternal life. It happens to me too. It happens to me too. And in those moments we forget God. We really do. We forget how much we depend on him, right? We depend on God. No matter what you say, we depend on the King. We need him every day. He didn't just create us, put us on earth, like, all right, I'll be back. I'm going to check in on you. There is an ever-evolving 24-7, 365 relationship with him if you choose to have that. I want to read something um, out of the Wild at Heart book by John Eldridge. 
This is page 109. We are made to depend on God. We are made for union with Him. And nothing about us works right without it. As C.S. Lewis wrote, a car is made to run on gasoline, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on Himself. He Himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. This is where our sin and our culture have come together to keep us in bondage and brokenness, to prevent the healing of our wounds. Our sin is that stubborn part inside that wants, above all else, to be independent. You see that. I'll read that back. This is where our sin and our culture have come together to keep us in bondage and brokenness. I'm not going to play, I'm not going to put on my conspiracy theorist hat today. I'll save that for now. But I, I could seriously argue that, that we created the, the Tower of Babel again with the World Wide Web. <clears throat> right? How do you have all of this connectivity throughout the world? And we cannot agree on anything. Everything is a lie except our truth that we live. That's the, that's the mentality we have right now. That's how we're giving it up out here. And that is a lie. And we know that only one thing is true. One thing is true, and that's God. God is the truth. But let me continue. I'm sorry. I got off on a tangent. Our sin is that stubborn part inside us that wants above all else to be independent. I've been there before. I know what that feels like. There's part of us fiercely committed to living in a way where we do not have to depend on anyone, especially God, especially in those moments where it's like, okay, I, you know what? I got this. Let me respond to so-and-so like this. Let me go ahead and give it up over here on the Twitters or on Facebook, right? Then culture comes along with figures like John Wayne and James Bond and all of those other real men. And one thing they have in common is they are loners. They don't need anyone. That's He's pointing out how it's glorified, you know, to how that is perceived. But that's in cinema. That's in film. Right. I used to be that guy when I was going through like deep, deep, deep depression, super PTSD. And the first thing I did was isolate myself from everyone else. That's the first first rule. PTSD. Isolation. No, I'm not going to go out. Hey, we're going to go. No, I don't want to go. And then. After that, all the depression songs, right? All that stuff. They, they don't show you that in the film. They just show you how cool it is to be a lone wolf or a loner. They're not showing you the mental uh, um, adversity that that person's going through or what they're thinking about. It's not cool. We've come to believe deep in our hearts that needing anyone for anything is a sort of weakness, a handicap. This is why a man never, ever stops to ask for directions. That's true. And I'm notorious for this, and he says it as well. I'm notorious for this. I know how to get there. I'll find my own way, thank you very much. Only when I'm fully and finally completely lost will I pull over and get some help. And I'll feel like a wimp for doing it. Jesus knew nothing of that. The man who never flinched to take on hypocrisies and get in their face. The one who drove a hundred men with a bundle of cords swung free. The master of wind and the sea lived in a desperate desperate dependence on his father i assure you the son of the the son can do nothing by himself he does only what he sees the father doing i live by the power of the living father who sent me these words are not my own 
My father who lives in me does his work through me. Those are beautiful words. And I think that what we're trying to capture here is, yes, there are all of these things that are changing the way we see the world, right? Go back 10 years ago. Go back 20 years ago. What changed? And I don't want to be that person who's like, oh, back in my day, we had it like that. I don't, that's not what I'm trying to point out here. I'm trying to point out that, that shift. All these political, social, cultural shifts. But what about the mustard seed? What about that mustard seed? I think Jesus says something about even the tiniest bit of that seed or faith could tell a mountain to get up or a tree, deeper rooted tree to get up and root yourself in in the ocean. So where are we so where are we losing where are we losing this at? At at, at what point do we think that we can walk away? Not walk away, but just kind of like, hey God, I I got this. Uh Kevin from Illinois decided to say something on this that I think that I should be weighing in on. I'll be back to you, God. Just, just give me one second. Let me, let me, let me go ahead and fix this person here. And this is where, this is the state of everything. We are shifting, but we forgot to cultivate the soil where the mustard seed grows. So that way, when that tree is sprouted and rooted, it is rooted wide and deep. So when these winds of change come in, you will never be uprooted. Never be uprooted. But no matter what happens, uh, same-sex marriage, abortion, culture issues, you are standing still rooted. Rooted in scripture. Rooted in faith. Let me go ahead and read Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh of his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert. And shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabitable salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who trusts is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for it for its leaves remain green, and it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That is so good. Let me read that again. That is so good. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. He's tapping in, tapping in, and does not fear when that heat comes, for it leaves, I'm sorry, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. This is a person who is so rooted that when the pendulum finally begins to swing either direction, they're good year round. I want to be like that person. I want to be like that. That's not me. It's not me. I'll say that right now. Not at all. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? One more scripture. I'm going to read from John uh, 650. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. So that one may eat of it and not die. I am living bread that came, that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. 
The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of man, eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. So good. So, so good. I'm going to go into a quick little segment here before I peace out, Cub Scout. Uh, the wolf and hare workout. So today, this morning, I ran about, I ran eight miles. Ran eight miles just to get it down. And I was trying to, I'm trying to stay in standard with all of Army tradition. So, but I got to pull a little extra on it. So one of those standards is a four by 36. It's four miles in 36 minutes. So I wanted to run eight miles and double that. So I had an hour and 12 minutes. I ended up doing it in an hour and five. Uh, I wanted to get under an hour, but <sighs> there's nothing flat about Wiesbaden, Germany. So I'll give you that right now. But the workout that I really, really, really love right now is this <laughs> the Piscean Marathon. I made it up a little bit. You know, a little, um, what do you call that? Anyway, I forget the word. It it escapes me. But the Piscean Marathon is two miles uh, with the vest and hammer. So I, I wear this vest to simulate a combat vest. And I wear and I bring the hammer with me to simulate uh, my weapon system, right? So 30 pounds total. I'll run two miles with the vest and then my hammer. Uh, then I do uh, 10 sets with the vest on. Uh, 20 calf raises, 20 lunges, 30, 30 squats, 5 pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 3 diamond push-ups. And then I'll run again 2 miles with the vest and the hammer. So if you want to do a full set, just do 10. If you want to just dabble around a little bit, they do half. Just do 5, right? See what we got going on. But we're going to go uh, into that a little more. Check it out. Tell me what you like. Um, yeah. There's going to be one more workout I have in the works coming up here for the next episode. But I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. I want to thank everyone. Everyone that has been involved in my life up until this point for making this happen. I could not have done this without you and, of course, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I want to send a personal shout out to all of you guys. I want to highlight a key church that was critical in my life coming up. That's City Life Church in Lacey, Washington, led by Pastor Steve Bradley. Great, wonderful man. His loving wife, Jane Bradley, is like a mom to me. I love her death. I love the entire Bradley family. Big ups to them. Wonderful uh, <clears throat> online presence. Get in there. Check that out. Go see what they got going on. Maybe, you, I mean, who knows? Maybe you might like it. Maybe you might like it. Shouts out to my favorite baristas over there. Uh, I have a London Fog now, but not like how you guys make it. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. I love you guys. Let me pray right quick. God, thank you for this small fellowship of the ring. Of the king. Sorry. <laughs> I tried to blend that in, but I failed. But thank you, God, for giving uh, us this ability to look a little deeper at scripture and see what it is that you are trying to point us to our our hearts specifically uh, i pray that everyone is well i pray that everyone is uh, okay no pain no stress 
And if there is, provide comfort, uh, alleviate some of that, and then point to them, show them the way, show them how to love. Um, keep us rooted in you. Keep us rooted in faith, God. Keep us rooted in scripture. Keep us rooted in what your son came here to show us. So that even during those droughts, even when the pendulum swings, God, even when there's the, the winds of change come, we are so rooted in your son, we do not budge. And we become a safe haven for others to come and learn about you and what your son came down to earth to do for us. We thank you, God, for this day and every day for the king. Amen. All right, guys, that's it. Um, thank you for listening. Um, you guys can go ahead and do the whole like, share, and subscribe thing that everybody says. But uh, I got nothing to promote but the pod. Until next time, stay sharp and wolf-like.